Well done, guys. Right, so we are getting to the meat of today. Go for it. Fantastic. Well done, guys. Right, well done. So what is identity? Distinguishing character, character or personality of an individual. So this is according to the dictionary. Uh, why am I breaking there? Something is going on there. Uh, okay. So, or the relation established by psychological identification. So when I say psychological identification, I'm talking about your personality. So people say, how you think and how you behave is how people tend to define you. Now, let me call something out, a danger with personality tests. So personality tests, to a very much, to a very much extent, will reveal your current psychological stand or perspective. I did, one, I did a personality test some time ago, a long time ago, and um, it revealed what I was going through at that point in time, but not what I'm capable of. Now, taking similar personality tests, years later, the result was completely different. One, and one other thing is that personality tests, to a very much extent, will not reveal the God-given potential inside of you. Now, spiritually, I strategize as the Holy Ghost gives me insight. But the personality test never sees me as a person who is strategic. Because my being strategic has nothing to do with you know, the natural way of doing things. But if we have a church project or any kind of project, or as we are planting a new church in Music Kings, the Holy Spirit begins to give me insight as to how to go about it. So how I go about it, the things I do, no personality test has been able to pick it up. So normally, people will call themselves a strategist because of what they are able to do or accomplish in the natural world. So we got to be very careful with those identification because it's going to limit what God is able to do through us. Right. So um, the last one there, I lighted in yellow, is the condition of being of being the same with something described. So when you say I am something, or when you confess a negative identification, you are saying that that is you. Why do you want to call yourself something negative that does not liberate you? The question is, is that what you want in your life? If it's not what you want, then you want to figure out how do I change it? Because I don't want this. You know, there was a time in my life that my finances were just all over the place. You know, okay, I'm not trying to be racial here, but I'll tell you the truth. There's racism in the workplace. So being a black guy, I would want to, I would put myself forward to do some things in the workplace. And my boss, I know his reaction is based on the fact that I'm black. No, I'm not entitled to those things. So they would rather give it to someone who is inexperienced and white that look like them. Now, I'm not trying to criticize the white people in my workplace at that time. I'm going to show something here. It is a fall of mankind. Because like we have racism here in the UK, we have tribalism in Nigeria. The tribalism in Nigeria is worse than the racism I've ever seen in other countries. Yes, because I, was, I, was, I used to live in a local village in the southwest of Nigeria. And the people lived, so they had different streets. And there was, rich, there was discrimination according to the streets you live on. You know, when you, in the UK, you're looking at white, brown, black, uh, white, brown, black. But in Nigeria, you have by streets. So because you live on that street, the question is, what are you doing on this street? Who is your father? And the way they go about it, and they will exclude you from positions in the local government because you live on a particular street. Post-Cold War. I mean, and it's a big thing. I get to me. So with all the respect, so when my, when my fellow black people come from Nigeria and they are shouting about racism, I said, guys, do you know the tribalism in our country is worse than what's going on here? And that's why I say to my, to my friends and you know, people I know, you know, 
I don't look at racism, I don't look at tribalism, I look at the fall of human beings. You know why? Because even among Caucasians, we didn't have blonde versus, I'm thinking, are you, are you joking? Because someone is blonde, you expect them not to be intelligent. Are, you, are, are, are people all right? So fundamentally is because human beings are broken and they are flawed. So people, because of your look, your appearance, because you don't look like them, then they, they call you a name. Right? And I'm saying to us here that whatever name people call you, don't identify with it. If it does not give you peace, it does not give you joy, don't take it. Reject it. This is the fight that we fight. Amen. So, condition of being the same with something. Right. Fantastic. Let's go on. I'll try to move very quickly now. So, how do you see yourself psychologically, right? Personality test, I've just talked about it. Way of thinking, cultural associations, social associations. Um, physiologically, your height, your color, your race, whether you're blonde or you're not blonde. These are the usual way that people describe themselves. And this is causing a lot of anxiety and suicidal thoughts among young people who don't seem to fit certain criteria on social media. Now they call it, Daniela, they call it what? Package. You, had, you taught me. So if you don't have the package, then you don't fit in. I said yesterday that the Transformers Church is one of the best church you can be in because I'm going to pieces and destroy the stupidity of the fallen man. And when I say stupidity, when someone degrade you and say that you do not amount to anything because you don't look like them or because you don't have what they have, because you are not as rich as they had, they, they consider you as useless, as, in, as not valuable. You, whom God took his time to create, Turn your Bible to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Where should they start from? Because we're meditating on this this morning. 139, verse 13. Let's start from 13. I'm going to give a mic to the person who to read this. 139, start from 13 to, I think 16. We'll stop at 16, right? Who wants to read? Anybody? Um, NIV. What, what version do you have? Kim James. Uh, NLT. So let me have NLT. Um, Psalm 139, start from 13 to 16. Okay. Thank you. Psalm 139, 13 to 16. You made all the delicate in the parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. 15. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. 16. One of the lines that stood out to me there is, you watched me as I'm being formed in my mother's womb. So God was there as if he was jobless watching you because of how much value he places on you and ensure that you were properly formed in your mother's womb. He said all your days were written in his book. So God the Almighty took his time to form you, to craft you. Then someone says because you, do, you are not as rich as they are that you are useless. What an insult on God's personality. And for us to even accept it, it means that we are disrespectful of God. Friends, you are much more precious than you think or imagine. By far. You are much more precious. You know, you know say, when you see yourself as you cannot do a job, it's because you do not know the capacity on the inside of you. When you think, and I'm not a prosperity preacher in a negative sense, but when you think you cannot be financially um, capable to handle your responsibilities, it's because you do not know the capacity on the inside of you. I'm beginning to learn to break standards, break protocols. You know, the salary I'm on right now is something quite a lot of people will say, wow, wow, wow. But it's, it's, not, it's nothing. 
Because by the time I do my mortgage, the time I pay for nursery for two kids, um, so what I've used, it's gone. And they will consider me a rich person. That's not true. God said to me one day, having a mortgage is not normal. I'm, I'm, I'm shaking some table right now, shaking some table. Having a mortgage is not normal. Why should you live your life 30 years to be able to pay a mortgage? It's an insult on the capacity of God on the inside of you. The Bible tells us that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Everything belongs to God. Now, human beings have been able to harness, cultivate the natural resources that God has given to us. And because they process it, they put the value on it, then you get to pay for the service they have offered, rendered, to translate the natural resources into an object. Now, everything that was used to build your, build your house was naturally provided free by God. But you can go and cut down the tree, saw it, you know, arrange them to make doors and stuff like Some people are able to do that, but you can't do all of that. So some guys do it and they sell it to you as a house. So everything you are paying for was given to us naturally free by God. Do you think God, your father, wants you to struggle? No, God does not want you to go through financial crises and financial situations so you can't pay just for basic bills. I was in that situation many years ago. I said, no, there must be a way out. Friends, what I'm telling you is this. The world has a system how money works. You've got to learn how it works. You've got to learn how it works because God does not want you to be dependent on people. Since I started learning how money works, how to obscure myself, take service to the marketplace, get paid for it, I've never had a reason to borrow money from anyone. But before I came, I would quit to say, I need, can you loan me this? Can you loan me that? I will return it. But no. Where am I going? What I was trying to say was that, you know, for you to be able to live the life God wants you to live, if you think it's too much you can't, it's because you do not know the capacity on the inside of it, what you are able to do. Say after me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when you step out of this day today, you know, the, the positions you've been thinking you are not capable of doing because you think you are not intelligent. Listen to that. You think you are not intelligent enough, so you cannot do. You cannot do because you think you are not intelligent enough. But if you can believe that the resurrection power of God is at work on the inside of you, the intelligence of Jesus is in you. You will tell that brain to force itself to understand those things to make it happen. Now, this is a practical session. Your body is going to feel the impact. My wife can tell you when I started the journey. I was sick a few times because I said, you know what? I refuse to remain poor. So brain, you will understand how business works. You will understand how to analyze business. You will understand how to get a job done. So whether you feel sick, you got to be up again tomorrow morning. My wife was watching me, how I spend 120 hours. I mean, sometimes I take a book on my profession and I'll read it from start to finish. I will take out the valuable point. I will put them in, into, into PowerPoint slides. I will teach myself, re-educate myself until I understand in detail how things work. So I'm not only speaking to you spiritually. I'm telling you that you are Christians. You have an enemy in the world. You should not allow him to tell you that you are not good for anything. Or that you're not capable. We read in 1 Corinthians 3 that... You are superior to, to Jabezus. I know this video is recorded. I know what I'm talking about. The only difference between Jabezus and you when it comes to economic time is, is what he knows that you don't know. But he's not superior to you. If Jabezus meets you, it should be a privilege to shake hands with you because you are the child of the Most High God. He might be the richest man in the world, but he's got nothing as far as life and eternity is concerned. Hence, you see why I don't get moved by rich people when they come around trying to oppress Paul said to Timothy, tell the rich among you to learn to give, to be generous, to be kind. So being rich is not a problem. It's what you are using your riches for. We are rich to be a blessing to the kingdom of the Father. 
Amen. So never let anyone tell you that you are dumb. If anybody says you are dumb, you need to have a conversation. You are kind, but you need to have a conversation. Say, come, come, listen to me. Please. Pastor, I'm kind, right? Please. Sarah, I need, I need you to help me here. So you say to them, please, in your life. <laughs> don't ever say to me that I'm not intelligent. In your life. Please, with all due respect, don't ever say that again. So you, you say, repeat after me. You are, you are the most intelligent, the most intelligent person on earth. And you don't feel bad about it. So, you know, you, you, know, you, you are much nicer than me, right? right? Because you guys are more cultured than a Nigerian man like me. So you might have a nicer way to say it. But if, when we realize that what people say to us, our life depend on it, you tell some people, don't try again. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> so, uh, psychological identifications, you know, way of thinking, country, blah, blah, blah. Let's move on. Uh, so let's get to the origin of brokenness. You know, when I was talking about race, racism and tribalism, I said, I don't focus on racism or tribalism. I focus on the brokenness of human beings because it takes somebody who is spiritually blind to call you or to limit you based on what they think of you. And many of us, life has happened to us, things have happened to us, and as a result, we think we are what has happened to us, but we are not. So let's, get to, let's go into the origin of this brokenness that we've been talking about. Now, human creation. You may have read this in your Bible. Uh, Pastor Dyer talked about this yesterday. The Bible tells in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, that God formed the human body. God formed, created man, he says, and the Bible tells us that God breathed into his nurseries the spirit of life and man became a living being. So it means that, now I put that in black color to tell you that there was nothing in him. Right? But what makes him able to walk and do everything he does is when the spirit came on the inside of him. So the personality and everything here, that's stuck in there. But what makes this person live is the spirit coming into them. So which means if the spirit is not in them, no show. So I'll put it back to you. Who is a human being? Are they their body or soul or the spirit? That's it. If this guy could not move, could not think, could not do anything, despite the fact that he had everything on the inside, until that was given to it, then... This is not him. So you are not your personality. You are not even your soul. You are not your mind. You are a spirit. And that's why the book of James chapter 2 verse 26 says that as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Let's go to Philippians 1.20. 23. So 23, let's read further down. Thank you. Further down. 22 now and 23. The same uh, NKJV. Hmm? Yes. Hmm? Okay, hold on. Let's, let's slow down there. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ. Mm -hmm. Which is far better. So when people... I'm not saying that you should think about death. Right? But to die is not the end of life. You know, when a loved one dies or going to be with the Lord, that does not mean that we lose our brains and lose our mind. So, you know, you know, I'm about to switch to my drama um, into acting. I'm finished. I don't know what I can do without him. He's gone. There are many things you can do without him. I repeat, there are many things you can do without him because your life was not created for him or her. Your life was created for Christ. Wherever that person is, you met them on earth, but you did not come from heaven together into this earth. So they've done their bits, they've gone, or whichever way they went. Your life has not ended because you still have a lot of show to run here. Carry on. Hmm? To remain where? Now, flesh there means to remain in the body. So what Paul is trying to say is this. Now, I have two options. To come out of my body and be with Christ, or to remain here, still having the spirits inside of me. So, sorry, let's put it this way. To remain in the body, 
right? So Paul is a living being, right? So Paul is this. Say, so if I remain in the body, right, is fruitful service for those guys. But I can choose to depart to be with Christ. And what he's talking about there is death. Death in the, in the context of cessation, no, coming out of your human body. You know, cessation to live on, in the earthly realm. I'm trying not to be too technical or be technical. Okay, how can I make it simple? The spirit coming in the body becomes a living being. If the spirit is going, if you are going back to be with the Lord, what happens is the spirit comes out. That's it. Because we can still see the body. And then we conduct funeral for the person. The body is still there. So when Paul died, you can see the body. But what happened? He's gone on to be with the Lord. So it tells you that even though we say that that's, this person has gone on to be with the Lord, it's interesting that we're still looking at the body and we said, ah, he's dead. But we said he's gone on to be with the Lord. Yes, so you are the spirit. So you are the spirit who comes into a body and you can leave your body. Right? So when people die, what happens is that they leave the body. So the person is the spirit, not the body, not the soul. Thanks. So I'm trying to break it out here for you guys. So that's the spirit. The soul is a, is a combination of the mind, where you house your thoughts, your will, what you choose to do, and your emotions, how you feel. Now, the body is a separate entity, which I um, expressed there. It's getting warm here, but I know some people want to keep warm. That's fine. So if you're feeling sleepy, you'll be free to stand up. I know you are being react. You are responding to the message. Amen. So the spirit interact. Now, this, is, this gets in, interesting a little bit here. The spirits interact with the spirit world. Now, I'm not trying to be uh, spooky here, but there are all kinds of things around us that we cannot see. But we can tell that something is affecting us. So there's a spiritual world, the world that you cannot see with your two eyes. To a very much extent, the unsaved do not believe that, or they believe it and believe in something else. Now, you could use the word discern. So do you guys sometimes just kind of know something? You don't feel it. You can't, you can't figure it out in your mind, but you just know something. That's your spirit interacting with the spirit world. So when you tend to know something, you can't think it. You can't, you can't place a finger on it, but you know that this is it. But you know, that's how, that's how I knew Jesus when I saw him. Because I've seen Jesus a couple of times. When you see him, you just know him. It's not about how he look. And it's not Caucasian, it's not black. I can't put a complexion to it. But I knew that was Jesus. When we get to heaven, when we see one another, we're not going to have this human body. But we will know. Because we are spirits. I get to me. Thanks for sharing that. That's fantastic. So your spirits interact with the spirit world. So I'm trying to help us understand that we are spirits. So the spirit cannot be felt. That's why I said, you can't feel it, but you know. And that's why the day you give your life to Christ, it was to, to, to many people, it's not a feeling, but you know something happened to you. So the believer should be living from the spirit. The believer should be living from the spirit, not from how you feel. Because your feelings can deceive you. The media can, use, can cook up images and information to get your mind to think in a way and to make you feel a certain way. Right? So sometimes people come to me with a funny deal. Say, guy, this is this. But something in me tells me that's not it. And do you know that all my life, it has never failed. You know, a, guy, a guy was meant to do some work for us in the property. And I just knew my spirit that this guy is not genuine. But because I love my wife, you know, she wanted that thing done for her birthday. So I, against my spirit, I allowed us out to give money, gave money to this guy. The guy has not showed up to today. I said, you know, I love my wife, but the moment I know in my spirit that this is not the way, I ain't doing it anymore. So for that reason, our own punishment in our family is that job will not be done until we get the money back. And I'm just waiting. I'm kind. Amen. So the spirit cannot be felt. So if you, can, if you want to actually live a powerful Christian life, a few things I'm going to call out today, right? If you allow those things to be your reality, watch what your life is going to look like. And do you know that your spiritual condition, your spiritual awareness, your spiritual consciousness creates a field and force around you. Yeah, People can tell something. They can't pick it. I went to a place to speak one day and they asked me to, not to speak, but I was visiting a group. And they asked me to come and say something. And I went out to speak. And a lady came out to give feedback on what I said. He said, when you came, there was a presence around you. 
So there was something, so something was coming out. I was smiling, I said, that's the Holy Ghost. Because, so you're not carnal, so whatever you, whatever that thing is, you know, it's not a feeling, but something on the inside, right? Is your spirit man reacting and giving you warning signs? Never ignore it. Never, never ignore the warnings of the spirit. Because that's the way you get the truth. Because I, when I get to the next, I can ask questions. That's where you get the warning. I mean, where in your spirit you get to, where you get the reality. Karen. So it's a perception. You know, he used the word discernment. Because when I say it can be felt, it's not how you feel in terms of you are happy. It's not yeah, tangibility. It's not tangible, like how you feel when you're depressed, how you feel when you're excited and when you're happy. But it's just something on the inside. You just know. So sometimes it's like that. Sometimes you don't even hear your voice, but you just know that's not the way. I'll give an example. Back in the days when I'm you know, running late for school, when I was in uni, something in me says, start running. I'm like, why? Why should I be running? Start running. And I find myself running. And I run and run, then the bus is there. If you miss that bus, the next one comes in half an hour. That's it. So we should all, we need to all train ourselves to live from there. So we want to, I'm going to walk us through a few things. So we need to want to empower our spirit so well that, or train our mind so well that is accustomed to the sickness and the warnings of the spirit. Because our spirit is perfect, it will never miss it. But the guy who has a problem is the soul who doesn't get the memo. So you have to train that soul, the mind, the will, the emotion, that when you get sickness like this, you respond. Now, the Holy Spirit is limited to the information in your mind when it's communicating to you. I repeat, if you don't know the Bible, if you, have not, if you don't understand the Bible, no matter how much the Holy Spirit screams, you won't be able to make a sense of it. So when we tell believers to read the Bible, it's not for religious practice. right? It's for you to be able to you know, get the communication clearly when the Holy Spirit is ministering to you. Someone say after me, my spirit is a real me. My spirit is the real me. One more time. My spirit is the real me. Praise God. So the soul interacts with the mental world. What you think, what they say. You hear a lot of things and you can feel a certain way, but something on the inside of you is saying that no, we're not going that direction. But everything looks good. But something on the inside says we're not going that way. Amen. So it takes training. Like I said, when people tell me stuff, some people will tell you things so that you can feel a certain way. I say, I'm not feeling it. Some people will tell you things so that you can feel nervous or feel in a hurry to put your money into an investment. But something you say, no, we are not going. It looks so good, fantastic to you. We are not going. And the common test is, why are you trying to put, put me in a hurry? Why? Now, God is a God of peace and God communicates with you with peace. So if you don't have a peace in your heart. No, peace is not a feeling. Because something can look like this is the best chance of your life and moment of your life. But on the inside, no. Don't go. You know that most of the special offers, when they say the special offer is closing today, except for next. Next has been the person who, who closed their sales and, the, and I, 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 I was not happy I didn't buy some things I want to buy. But most of the special offers, the following day, they are still there. You have special offers nearly three times a year. What's the point about? What is? What, what, why are you trying to hurry me to put take money out of my pocket? Amen. Is it, get, is, it, is it making spiritual sense? You know, everything I'm talking about are things that Pastor Dyer talked about yesterday. I'm just fleshing it out for you guys so that you can point it. Amen. So, the soul creates how you feel based on the information is received from your parents or whoever over a period of time. And the body of, if I refuse to sit down, nobody can make me sit down. Until I say to myself, I want to sit down. Go on. Yes. Jasmine. Oh, Jesus. She started it. So in case I get so passionate, just, it just mean you started it, right? Now, 
Few months ago, I started saying to myself that the soul is very, very real and I must not joke with my soul. I have a soul. Emotional connections are real and powerful. Emotional engagements are real and powerful. People get into emotional connection with people based on verbal interaction. Babe, do you like me? You love me, right? Oh, okay. I think you should go for a date. Then it sparks something on the inside, and both of them are thinking of going on a date. How do you get into a relationship with someone? They say something to you, you respond, and something you can, something beyond the physical clicks together, and you are thinking about the person. The soul is so powerful that we can't, you can't play with it. Even perfume, because if there's some perfume that is attached to a particular guy you were dating, and since you bring your boyfriend and things like that, and when on that guy one day comes with perfume, he just brings all the memory back of what interaction with that person. The soul is very powerful. That's why we have to train ourselves to make the soul comply with what the spirit says. The soul is drives the outcome of our lives. Fantastic. It's so easy. Now, so soul ties are formed from speaking and releasing ourselves to that person is intangible. Don't forget that all of these are, pred are predicated on the word spoken. So if you want to break soul ties, you do a lot of speaking. You speak the contrary and you act in contrary. And something at some point will shift on the inside of you, but you got to stay on course for as long as possible. You speak and you act. And when it comes to acting, you got to be as practical as possible. If I have an example, I'll give you. I get him. There was a particular girl who was after me. She was like, this girl will be in tears. Before I met my wife, she will be in tears. She says, I'm the person that she wants to marry. And I realized I was beginning to yield bit by bit. And I knew I started thinking, oh, can she be? I don't there's a problem here. You know what I did? So I've spoken to her a number of times. She will not respond. So, and we used to attend the same college. So I would, I cannot avoid traveling through that street every week. So she'll call me, she'll ask me, hey, Tony, where are you going for? Where, where are you going? Where are you coming? I mean, where, 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 where are you, what are you up to? I said, I just left London Bridge. That's it, no more information. Oh, okay, where are you going? I'll change the story, in topic. I did some very dangerous thing like, if you ask me, am I at home? Watch this. It's not a lie, it's just wisdom. I will run, because I don't want to lie, I will run out of the house and stand outside. I'll say, I'm not at home. I'm not inside the house. <laughs> and many things I was doing, I mean, it was crazy because I wanted to break that soul tie. So not just by speaking to myself, you know, my wife, God has, yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit. So when you want to break soul tie, the powerful weapon in your hand is the word of God because it's the word of God that can break it. And it's when I say the word of God is what the Bible says about you, about your identity. Now, if you want to use all those psychological mental things, I am this, I am that, it won't go too far. There is a power in God's words when you speak it over your life. Because the words you speak into your life will bring in the power of the source of it. I repeat, the word you speak into your life will bring into your life the power of the source of it. If the power of the words you're speaking to your life is your mind, you can't go too far. But if God is the source of the words you're speaking, it will bring God into the situation. Make sense? So we can, more questions, um, we, can, we can break that down. Yeah. Should, like when we feel, when we don't feel like speaking the word, there's power in the word and that word can never like return to him void. Amen. Are we getting refreshed this morning, afternoon? Fantastic. So I'm just going to summarize because of our time. We need to go on. Now, what time is lunch? Okay. One. So I want to get into relationship with God. So I need to finish this, right? So that we can stay on course. Now, when you get home, you can think of, you can read about this. Now, in the book of Genesis chapter 2, God said to verse 15, 17, 25, 15 to 17, God said to the man, Adam, the day you eat of the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that day you will die. Genesis chapter 3, they ate it. Praise God. They didn't eat an actual food. Now, Jesus said, what goes into a person, talking about washing of hands, what goes into a person does not define them, what comes out of them. 
Right. So the food you eat can never make you a sinner. And that's why Jesus came to discredit the Mosaic law that if you eat pig, it makes you devour. You know, when, G, when, the, when an angel appeared to Peter in the book of uh, Acts, and, um, you know, a sheet came down from heaven containing animals, unclean, uh, unclean in court animals. Peter said, I've never eaten anything unclean in my life. God said, keep your mouth shut. Can you just kill and eat? Do not declare unclean what I have made clean. So Jesus came to show us that what goes into your body, what you eat, does not defile you. But what comes out of you? And Jesus said, out of the heart comes adultery and all kind of stuff. So this guy, it wasn't, it wasn't that they ate a particular fruit that, made that, that, that caused the fall of man. Because all of this were just kind of allegory. Right? Because if you look at what makes a man fall, it must be that he rejected something, the truth. Because the tree of life was there, representing Jesus. He didn't eat of that one. But the one that was of the knowledge of good and evil, of pride, because he wanted to know. Shall I do this? Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Let's start from verse 1. Lord Jesus, help me here for speed. Let's look at how what happened to our dearly beloved sister, Eve. Amen. Let me see if I can get that to you very quickly here and I can make this happen quicker because another uh, comfort break is around the corner. Is anyone getting blessed here today? Fantastic. So, Genesis chapter 3. So, I'll read from the NIV. The Bible says, Now the snake was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord, had, Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? I'm going to repeat this down the line. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did, not, did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will, okay, I feel like I, I want to pause here a little bit um, just to help someone here. I think someone is thinking about this, about this fruit thing. Now, Jesus said in the book of John chapter 15, verse, John 15, yeah, he said, I think from verse 6, he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you that you may go and bear fruit. Is it for you to produce apple or guava or purple? I chose you that you may go and bear fruit and that your fruit may remain. What's he talking about? Have results in your ministry. Have results in your life. Right? So, there are, so I'm trying to also use this to help us understand that it was not an actual fruit that the guy had. Because if you go on, if you go on the internet now and you type in something like temptation, you see apples. Amen. Okay, let me, let me do it. Before I finish just reading this, you know, I saw one man of God say this uh, last week and it was quite insightful. So he said, you know, Jesus said, somebody smites you at the right cheek. Turn the left one. Pastor Dio will say, I'm kind. Dio, on this one, I'm not kind. <laughs> right, so let's watch this. I'm a very practical pastor, so you, you, you get it. Now, so he said, Jesus said, somebody uh, smite you on the right cheek. Turn the left one. But normally, most people, are we right-handed or left-handed? So which means if you are slapping someone, where do you think you slap them from? Generally, if somebody, if you are going into a uh, argument with someone, you face them. So you right-handed. So what? What do you do? What? You slap the left. So why did Jesus say somebody slap you from the, slap you on the left, turn the right? Sorry, it's right on the right, turn the left. So this man of God said, when somebody challenge you and try to provoke you, not that if they slap you, because. In, according to the written Roman culture at that point in time, when somebody slaps you with the back of their right hand, that's when they slap you from the right cheek. And it was a call to challenge to get to provoke you to react. I get it. So most of the things that Jesus said were just kind of allegory, metaphoric. He said, if your right hand causes you to sin, you cut it off. But we know that the problem is not with your body. The problem is with your soul. If you are having issues with sexual immorality. So Jesus must be saying something else. What was he saying to you? Whatever feeds your soul to commit immorality, cut it off. If it's your TV, let me break it. <laughs> are, are, are you getting me? 
So, so when we read our Bible, we should be asking ourselves, what spiritual insight do I need to get out of this as opposed to what I can just see plainly? Amen. So that hope that blesses someone there. Right, so let's do this. So if you come to Transformation, you hear a lot of this, right? Like, that's why my sermon now, what I teach for one week, I teach for eight weeks. Because I've, I mean, my, my, but the church family knew what happened in the past two, few weeks. You know, I was teaching one line, one line of a verse for one week. Because you got to understand it. Amen. So let's carry on. Verse 4 of Genesis chapter 3. You will, certainly not, you will not certainly die, the snake said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit now, somebody put something in her mind to arouse her attention to start focusing on what she should not focus on. Words are powerful. One of the reasons why we watch one in 50 or one in 115 rated movies, because there are some Christian movies that are rated 15 because of violence and stuff like that, or maybe one in 1,000, because we don't want to be exposed. This is myself and my wife. This is our policy. We don't want to be exposed to information that we don't want to remember. Because what you do not know or what you are not informed about, you cannot be tempted with it to a very much extent. So many of us, how you, let me give an example. I love this. So you got to hurry up, you know. So one day I was, when I was still working as a warehouse staff in Asda, so I saw a plane, airplane flying, you know, and I made my hand into a gun and I did this, boom. And I said to him, come here, come here, come here. What do you think you just did? Even true, you have a real gun. You just shot down a plane. You just killed people. Where did that come from? I was like, that's what I've been seeing in movies. Amen. Okay, I'll, I'll come and sort out the batteries when we move up. Uh, I think it's my battery or something like that. Amen. So when you watch too much of all of these games that, you know, killing someone, you know, it puts certain things in your mind, preparing you to react that way when you find yourself in a similar situation. Many men commit adultery because the media culture has trained them that when a lady looks at you in a certain way she must like you is a lie she doesn't like you we are trained to be like a james bond kind of man you know you can drive fast cars you can look masculine just the body the way six-pack thing is going this world today is driving me crazy are we well i can so the the, the media is trying to train us to be more of kind of a James Bond kind of man. There's a way the woman must talk to you. There's a way she must not talk to you. Who is the author of this information? The devil. And who they listen to is who they will obey. And how who they will identify with. And the result and how they will treat you. So if a guy is asking your aunt, your, your aunt the date, you want to find out, is it the Jesus kind of man or the James Bond kind of man? Because he may be able to quote scriptures, but what he really likes is the fact that his, 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 his shirt, the button of his shirt are pulling out. Are you getting me? And um, don't forget, we don't go by what people just say to us. We want to understand their character and their behavior because that's who they truly are. Amen. So somebody says something to Eve. It, she, that word come into our mind. Lord Jesus, why are we? Okay, I will, do, I will do what you asked me to do. So if you have a member of a family who always give you negative, ungodly inspiration or a friend, you want to avoid them because that information will not be harmless for, uh, um, for so long. One day, they'll begin, those thoughts will begin to fuse in your mind and begin to give inspiration to act on them. You can't, you can't escape it. Amen? So, go on. Like, now, so I was waiting for us to hear that. Your parents? Yes, spouse. Pastor, you're just I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Don't mind. You know, I cause trouble. Yeah, so in that situation, you spend a lot of time on your own, listening and speaking to what to yourself. Your heart has to be so loaded that you have enough stamina to counter what they plant in you. If you're in that kind of situation, you will do some terrible amount of work on yourself. Isolating yourself as many times as possible, injecting yourself with the right words. 
and then you want to go ahead and also create relationships with people who will plant the word, the right word in your mind. Because when you have, say, for instance, three friends or three Christian friends who are switched on, who know their stuff. And one of the reasons why I don't have much friends is because many of the Christians that I know do not know the word of God. So I only have few. Because they know the word of God and they stand by it. That's what we practice. Right? Because when you begin to have associations with people who know the word of God, it strengthens you. So if in the instance of a workplace, that is why it's not, it's not, uh, what's it called? It's not an option for you to read your Bible in the evening because you need to detox yourself from all those nonsense. Or in the morning you charge yourself praying the Holy Ghost, read your Bible. And when you come in the evening, you get to read because those, okay, let me finish that statement. So in the evening you have to, you know, take the word of God intentionally in your mind. When you go for days and weeks, you don't read your Bible, right? Those words from outside, they begin to build up on your soul and affect your outlook towards life. The soul is a funny is a funny thing. It goes by with the information coming to it. The word of God is powerful. Don't forget what I said. What you produce, okay, what we produce after the nature of the source of it. So if what you listen to most of the time are ungodly and secular things, that's what your heart you will begin to yield to at some point. If you want to get rid of them, bring in a different input over a long period of time, you realize that your emotions start going differently. So when I realize that I'm getting tired, exhausted, and I know I'm not kind of tired, I know it's time to spend some long time in reading my Bible. So Saturday, you wake up in the morning, listen to messages, pray, read the word. And sometimes if I've just been having my routine Bible reading and praying, and I've not taken my time to just kind of like load myself. Sometimes when I do then create time to just load myself, I can feel things moving in my chest. Is that tangible? So I'm telling you that the state of your soul can affect your health. Nikki, you want something? Yeah? Fantastic. Specific. Fantastic. So the specific one are the ones that counter what has been spoken into your life. So if it is you are good for nothing, the Bible says that, you know what I'll do? Imagination, I'll talk about it later on. So I'll take my time into my room, and you can even buy pictures, I will help you do this. And I will sit down in my room and just start thinking as to how God, in a seemingly state of joblessness, is looking at me, is watching me being formed in my mother's womb. And I'll begin to just imagine how, how precious I must be for Jesus to come all the way from heaven to die for me. So, because they said I'm good for nothing, and I'll begin to look in the Bible and see what people have done by the power of the Holy Ghost. An example is Gideon. You know, the story is quite a long one. You know, who could not, who with a very small army defeated a, a, a big army. How did he accomplish it? And I'll begin to put myself in that position. Right? And begin to look at uh, Ephesians 1.19, talking about the resurrection power of God as walking me. I'm thinking, what does that look like? So he raised Jesus from the dead. Okay? So you're saying, if that power is working on the inside of me so I can raise the dead, I give my mind something else to do. I make my mind focus on the opposite of what they say. To a point that I'm so loaded when they say you are good for nothing. I'm thinking, how? Oh, I don't even listen. I get him. So whatever situation you're going through, right, uh, you need to find the word of God that counters it and a whole focus on those ones. Right, good. Um, so there's this uh, website that I get loads of my Bible studies from called um, studygateway.com. So the same authors from biblestudygateway.com. And in one of the resources, it was basically called Understanding the Bible. And it was a six-week Bible study that I did over 12 weeks. But what that resource helped me do when to go to um, like break down the books of the New Testament and what they're for. So now I've come to understand the book, the Bible is more like medicine. So for example, the situation we were speaking about, that for me is my dad, because my dad is not yet saved. So sometimes he might randomly be like, oh, you're so ugly. And he, in his mind, it's a joke. 
He loves me as his daughter, but in his mind, he's saying, as a joke to me, that's not funny because I understand the power of words. So I'll go to like, you know, First Peter and maybe just start reading about forgiveness. And that medicine is what then practically in that moment, but it was the Bible study resource that helped me know to go to First Peter for forgiveness, for example. So that's how I've learned to break it down and I'm still working through it. So just seeing it as medicine. Amen. Good. Final one before we go on break. Good. Hmm? Well, so... What I would say to them is this, if you understand that your mind is loyal to the information you subject it to, you will know that it's only a matter of time. I get it. So people do say it's a sign of weakness, it doesn't affect me. But I, so one of the, one of the big problems people go through is that many times they are not able to connect the input they are taking in, the impact of the input they are taking in on their well-being. I guess, and some people like to watch horror movies. So I had, my stepsister was visiting us one weekend, and she said, you know, she's fine. She doesn't, no, horror movies doesn't affect her. Like, no. So that's fine. So she was cleaning up, wiping up her face with the makeup, uh, wiping up the makeup on her face around the middle of the night. And I was trying to get, you know, bedding things to her. And when I was coming, I was just climbing the stairs, and she had me kind of creeping. She was scared. I said, come, you said horror movies don't affect you. I said, when you heard my footsteps, what thoughts came to your mind? Say, I, I saw this movie when there's someone. <laughs> I said, but you told me you were boasting downstairs to myself and my wife that horror movies don't affect you. And for the first time, she connected the fear she's taking in from horror movies with the reality of her being scared at night. She can't sleep without the light on. And horror movies are not affecting her. It's a lie. The molestation going on among men and with young people that are not reviewed yet will be shocking the day they will be reviewed. Especially those ones who say they are not, it's not been affected them. That's why I said, do not go by what people are telling you. I, I said to single ladies, you know, when people come and invite you for some stuff, I said, look at them in the eyes and act, when they say you are missing now because you're not doing it. I said, but can you also tell me of how it does not affect you? I said, look at them in the face and say, okay, I'm missing out on this phone, but at the same time, I'm missing out on the anxiety and the depression. I said, look at them right in the eyes and say the loneliness, the, the, the feeling of, of feud, of the feeling of, you know, score them. I think I gave this lady four or five of them at that point in time. I said, Look at them in the, in the eyes and say, I'm also missing out on these things and watch how they react. Amen. So an intelligent Christian is a Christian who is able to connect the input into their life with the outcome they are getting. And this is why one of the reasons why myself and Pastor Yaya are there, Pastor Pastor and Pastor Shee, to help people to be able to connect the dot. Amen. Comfort break, please. <laughs>